Attention. It's time to register for Elusian Live 2024, April 7th through 10th in San Antonio, Texas. Illuminate, innovate, inspire, explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. Register now at elive.elusian.com. This conference is going to be epic. By now, you've heard me talk about Insights EDU in Phoenix, Arizona, February 20 through 22nd. Here's why I think you should join us at the Insights EDU conference. It's one of the few conferences focused on helping schools serve today's online and non-traditional students. If you're concerned at all about where your enrollments are going to come from in 2024 and beyond, and you should be concerned, you need to be at this conference. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50. Prepare to be astonished. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the EdUp Experience podcast where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio back with you here on another episode. This is really special for us, by the way, you guys, as I, as I record this episode this morning with my amazing guest host and guest last night, which of course will be, this will be like a month before it comes out, but we passed 350,000 plays of our podcast episodes. 350,000. We couldn't, couldn't believe it. We tried to get to 35 and they were like, well, that was pretty good. And then we got to 350, th actually 350. We're like, wow, there's 350 people that listen to this podcast. It's 350,000, about 740 episodes. That means we're close to 500 listens per episode. And that includes some of the ones that we just released, which of course don't have that many listens because of course these are evergreen over time. So we've got, I don't know, almost 40 episodes, over a thousand listens. And you think about the impact of this podcast. And, and I always say, and Elvin says too, this is your podcast. What does that mean? Well, it means if you have something to say, we're going to give you a mic and you have somebody that you want to interview. I'm going to give you a co-host mic and that this becomes your podcast, not just ours. So we've brought you incredible guests who end up coming back to co-host episodes. That's what makes this podcast so special. And that's me pontificating just a little bit this morning, but I was excited to see that 350,000. Anyway, let's get to the, the point of this podcast episode. I'm bringing back to the microphone. Uh, she was interviewed as a guest at one of our live remotes, if you will, at Anthology Together 2023. And she's back now to grill somebody else instead of getting grilled. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my guest co-host today, her name is Kathy Shaw, and she's a director at Titan Partners. Kathy, welcome back to an EdUp Mike. Thanks, Joe. Excited to be here. So I got to meet you in person, which was great, right? So a lot of people who uh, I have come guest co-hosts with me, I've only interviewed them on Zoom, and then they come back and coast. But we got to see each other in person. You got to have the experience of a live in-person remote, and now you're back. So we didn't scare you off is basically what it's come down to. No, those, those bright lights only made me want more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we, we're glad to have you back. By the way, those reports that you put out about student success from Titan the last time we spoke, I had a chance to really go through and read them. Really impre incredible data that you guys were able to contribute to to the industry. Student success is such a, is I, it's funny because I came back, that was during the summer. And then of course, people that listen to this know that I'm the chief experience officer at Lindenwood. And I come back 
and I swear as kids are moving in, the mental health health issues like explode, explode before they even start school. Kids are going, I'm having problem just with moving and stuff. And suddenly, what does that do to our our ability to serve students? It was just great to have that data for us to go, okay, wait, Titan's done something with this. We should go take a peek and see what can be done. What's next for you guys? What, what are you working on now? Oh, our, our research, Joe, thanks for asking, is, is evergreen. Just like this podcast, we did a release called Listening to Learners in September, which was all about something you just mentioned in your role at Lindenwood, which is how do students feel like they belong on campus, both in the classroom and outside the classroom? What drives that feeling of belonging, which we all know then, you know, is good news for persistence, um, retention, and ultimately graduation outcomes. Uh, so that came out in September. And then just recently, a few weeks ago, with all the buzz still about generative AI um, and what it's going to do to the field of higher education more generally, we've got a report that just tracks data for student usage, faculty usage, and adoption, and in particular, details about use cases of how generative AI may or, or may not facilitate learning and the feelings about what it might do to prepare students for the workforce. There's a notion that gen AI literacy is going to be important for workforce outcomes in the future, and Titan is doing our best to, to track that for the field. Did you say generative AI? Because I've still got some people that are, that are here. Do I look like I know what a JPEG is? So we so we still got work to do to bring everybody along to that that generative AI. I looked up how to make my own GPT. Mm. Uh, I got I got a little bit of the way, and I'm like, forget this. I ain't, I'm not doing that. I got a podcast with my amazing guest today. So we're talking about student persistence. We're talking about recruitment, persistence, support, mental health, and our guest today is working on all of those things in a particular way. And I'm going to bring her to the microphone right now, so she doesn't have to listen to me talk anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, she's Andrea Horton. She is the chief marketing officer at the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. What's going on, Andrea? How are you? I am awesome. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, we're we're glad to have you, and you, I think, have some very important things to say and things to share. But for our audience, we always we always like to start with the fact that there may be somebody out there that has not heard of the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. So, what do you do, and how do you do it? And let's start there. Sure. So, the Thurgood Marshall College Fund has been advancing equity, access, and inclusion for over 35 years. What that means is we really work to support students at historically Black colleges and universities through student scholarships. We want to make sure everyone has access to a higher education. Uh, we do talent sourcing and equity and upskilling programs, ensuring that Students at historically Black colleges and universities have a pathway to corporate America to great lucrative careers. We also focus on capacity building. That means that we support the institutions themselves, ensuring that they are sustainable, that they have proper funding. And then lastly, policy and advocacy, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more, where we talk about you know, really advocating for HBCUs on, on Capitol Hill. Amazing. Well, I just, I've had the pleasure and honor of, of interviewing a bunch of HBCU presidents, most recently, Helene Gale from Spelman and Rick Gallo from um, Grambling State. I got to remember, it's been 700 episodes, so sometimes it challenges my memory. 
doing such great work. You know what I mean? I mean, HBCUs seeing a resurgence of sorts, but I want to read something from your website because the minute I started doing my, my thing, I, I saw this and I'm going to read it and you, I'd like you to respond to it. Okay. The Thurgood Marshall College Fund boasts an 80 to 90% graduation rate of its scholars compared to a 40% graduation rate for black African-American students overall. Wow. Why, why do you think that is? What's, what's TMCF for short doing that makes it, makes it so good for these students? So one of the biggest reasons students don't persist is because of money, right? So that's foundational to what we do in supporting students, ensuring that students have uh, scholarship dollars and funding uh, so that they can persist through graduation. So that's number one. Secondly, what we ensure is that students make that connection between their education and the workforce. So we really provide internship opportunities. We provide professional development. It really helps students connect those dots and develop those soft skills. And, and really, we help position them to compete in a very competitive workforce today. And that's why we see students persisting because one, they have the dollars to um, support their education, but two, they begin to get very crystal clear as a result of our programming on where they wanna land after graduation. Let me ask one quick follow-up then I'll pass to you, Kathy. Do you think that, that Thurgood Marshall helps the students, these black students see the end better than maybe a college or university does by itself where yeah, you're going to go to school. Yes, you need to persist. But at the end, we're going to help you get into this workforce. We're going to help you find this job in ways that maybe a college isn't set up to do. Do yeah, you think that I, that makes a big difference? Absolutely. And I think that's across the board, whether it's a HBCU or a PWI. I mean, students have to make that connectivity between their education and the workforce. And that's why internships are so very important. And so what we find is that many of our students who are first generation, uh, like me, and I'm a proud graduate of Spelman College, by the way. Hey. <laughs> I, I was a first generation college student, but also a first generation corporate, meaning that while my parents didn't go to college, but they also didn't pursue a corporate career. Uh, so that means that conversations at the dinner table around me were not things that could help me navigate corporate spaces. And uh, the, what we do is ensure that our students understand how to navigate corporate spaces and how to compete. Wow, that's amazing, Andrea. I guess for our listeners who might be thinking about college or sending their kids to college, right? How do folks find out about TMCF services and programs? So they can go to tmcf.org and our website is just full of information about HBCUs, about the work that we do, about our scholarship offering and offerings and about our uh, programming offerings as well. Got it. You also mentioned intersectionality of some lived experiences that I, I think I'd love for you to share more about, right? You mentioned for yourself, you were a first-gen student and also that you had been the first in your family to explore a corporate career. So which of the programs that you mentioned at TMCF really help students, I guess, stay connected to their families while 
you know, trying these new things, right? Uh, I've often heard first-generation students describe their experience as, well, I don't feel at home at home anymore, and I don't feel at home at school anymore. Um, you know, how can the programs at TMCF really assist with, you know, keeping families together while trying while having students try new things? So our experiences have uh, been centered around the family, around generational impact, around community impact. In fact, a few of our programs offer students an opportunity to um, create nonprofit mission-based businesses that will give back to their community. And I think in that way, that helps students to understand the connectivity still between themselves and their families, their communities. There was a, a saying that Dr. Janetta Cole, the president at the time at Spelman College, used to say to us, pull as you climb. And that is a mantra that we certainly embody here at TMCF because it's about doing better for yourself, but also about blazing trails for the others who will come behind you. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Pull as you climb. I like that a lot too. How do you, so how does it work? Give, give us the kind of the guts, Andrea. So I'm an HBCU college president. I've, I've got students. I say, hey, Andrea, I want to partner with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Do I need to bring my own partners to the table? Does, do it, is there scholarships that I want to be, create? So give, kind of give me the, the lay of the land. Yeah, so all of our programs are really student-centric. That means the students have to be the one to opt in. Uh, We're not asking our institutions to take on yet another task. We really help to augment and supplement the programs that they have existing already. So in that way, as a CMO, we do direct mail. So we buy lists from college boards and others of understanding students who are graduating from high school, speaking to both the students and the parents so they're aware of the resources that are available through us as they pursue a HBCU education. Um, so do a lot of advertising, a lot of marketing to students to make sure they know that these opportunities are available. Once a student opts in, they can apply for all that they qualify for. So typically a high school student, their first engagement with us is a scholarship. So they're looking for money to help, you know, pay for college. Uh, and I, in fact, I just sent my son to college to an HBCU. So we were, you know, scouring a TMCF website as well as other scholarship websites to apply for money for college. Uh, once a student gets a scholarship with us, and even if they don't, once they're in our database, we continue to remarket to them, letting them know when new scholarships are available or when other programming um, opportunities become open that they can participate in. So you're in this funny, by the way, there's never a better way to to you know analyze your own work than when you have to take a family friend or your own kid through it, right? Yeah. And you're going through your own, your own website and you're going, oh. We yes. gotta fix that. What is that? Yes. Uh, right? So it's like a self-analyzing, right? Your own work. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then so, the focus so, is of one. So now everything that my son is experiencing is, is exactly what the whole market is experiencing. So we've got to change our whole strategy. There you go. So are you you're in this funny space though of awareness where you know how how do you get in his, in front of as many 
of these students as possible, right? How do you get in front of it right when they need you to be in front of them, these, uh, the black and African-American students? And then, and then how do you get them to engage? When you're not, it's not like you're asking them to go buy something. You're asking them to, to go through a process to get something. Uh, but still, I would imagine it's really hard to get students to engage, whether it's a lack of trust or motivation, right? So you get in this space where, where you go, I just don't understand why more students aren't, right? Is, isn't that a funny space to be in? It is. And so as it relates to scholarships, we get 64,000 applications per scholarship season. So, Amazing. Yeah, so... Uh, students definitely understand the value of getting the scholarship to help pay for school. Now, at least the first year. Now, the second year, we engage parents because students are, you know, they're in class. They have all these uh, things, all these balls that they have in the air. And they don't answer emails or anything else. They don't answer emails. In fact, you know, we have text campaigns that we're building now, Um but the parents are the ones that really stay locked in. So we wanna make sure that we bring the parents along as a part of that strategy. The other thing I talk to my team about is this unarticulated need, right? If you're a first generation student, sometimes you don't understand uh, the gravity of building your resume. And so one of the things that we try to do is really speak to the heart of even things that the student can't articulate themselves to make sure they understand the value that participating in our programs can offer to them in their future. Kathy. So I wanna go back to this awareness point that, that Joe brought up and Andrea, obviously students are, are looking for ways to finance their education, right? So the scholarships are the hook, as you said. What do you think are the biggest barriers to enrollment or re-enrollment at HBCUs today? Again, I think is I think it's finances. I really do. I think that's a big thing. And then I think broadly, you know, you're going to have the percentage of students that just, you know, maybe mom and dad wanted them to pursue a higher education in this way at a four-year institution, but that may not be how they're wired. They may need to work for first. Mm-hmm education. So that's another thing we're exploring as an organization, different pathways, because there's, you know, all, all kinds of ways for our students to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the National Black Talent Bank, which is offering students who don't see themselves at a four-year institution right away, an opportunity to work in a great career, get trained, get uh, business skills, um, and then along the way, have a pathway to, to pursue their education. Um, uh, and so we just kind of flip the script for those students. Yeah, I think the different pathways is definitely a theme we've been seeing for sure in, in workforce, right? You know, if you have the skills, hopefully you can get considered for a job <laughs> that, that will path meaningfully. As you're designing this program, are there other initiatives at TMCF going on that you'd like listeners to be aware of, maybe just for the next calendar year in 2024? Yeah, we have our standard programming, and I don't want to give listeners the idea that we're only training students to go in corporate America. We understand that there's all kinds of careers that students are pursuing. So we do have our corporate sort of training programs, professional development programs, 
but we also have programming aimed at innovation and entrepreneurship. And that's targeted to students who are interested in pursuing opening their own business. Um, some students may want to be entrepreneurs. And so we really focus on building that skill set, that acumen of how to pitch an idea, how to put together your financials, um, how to, you know, get gain uh, financing to support your effort. We also understand there are students who want to have an entrepreneurial path. So these are students who will drive innovation inside corporations, but they are uniquely uh, prepared to uh, really pitch high stake ideas that really move companies from you know, one space to a whole different uh, pursuit. Then we have programming for educators. So we have our teacher quality and retention program which we think is very important because we know that Black students perform better when they have teachers in a classroom that look like them. They really have something to aspire to. So our goal through TQRP is to support Black students, Black teachers staying in the classroom. We select pre-service teachers and then we stick with them through their third year of teaching, really helping them to you know, develop curriculum, develop their engaging classrooms, special education. We just really give them all the resources they need to have a productive uh, career in education. So those are kind of, you know, the big, big categories that we cover in our programming. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. For a third straight year, the EdUp Experience will be recording live at Elusion Live 2024. This year in San Antonio, Texas, April 7th through the 10th, Illuminate, Innovate, and inspire that's the framework for the conference leaders from institutions around the world will converge at lucian live 2024 to discover game-changing technology share industry insights and build powerful connections it's time to explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future ready ideas solutions and best practices designed to drive transformation you can register now at elive.elucian dot com epic oh yeah you've heard me talk about the insights edu conference well let me tell you three reasons why i think everyone listening should join us in phoenix arizona on february 20 through 22nd for insights edu one it's one of the few conferences focused on helping schools serve today's online and non-traditional students two you can expect a mix of speakers you won't hear anywhere else including higher ed leaders from google LinkedIn, Adobe, and more. In reason three, Insights EDU has an agenda packed with sessions discussing the latest trends in higher ed leadership, marketing, and enrollment management. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Oh, yeah. Hey, Andrea, quick question because you have so many areas that um, you're covering. One of the things that we do know is there are a lot of uh, African-American black students that uh, are not going into STEM careers. Can you connect those dots for us, what you're doing around STEM to facilitate more black students heading into technology careers? Yeah, so we have longtime partners, Wells Fargo being one, Medtronic, who's in the med tech space, Boeing, who clearly is in the STEM space, all of our partners are really helping us to recruit and retain and develop STEM talent. And so those programs really, again, I mean, STEM is not an easy field to pursue. 
I was a little daunted by an engineering major. However, if you have that propensity to really be an engineer and you're able to connect the dots with a Boeing or a Medtronic, then I think that really, again, helps students to persist in those fields. Um See, I turn off my own audio. Ladies and gentlemen, so if you heard a pause there, literally it's me talking and not having sound because I clicked my own mute button. That's how good I am at podcasting. But I was, I was saying that your entrepreneurial area, connecting that with STEM, you have the pitch, which is the, I, I mean, I guess it's basically you're pitching your idea. So 150 scholars come together around tech and apps and, you know, how to innovate and create that and, and maybe receive funding to run with an idea that runway is important when you see hope in your ideas too, right? So you could have ideas, you could want to get into STEM, you could want to get into technology and it looks really hard. You know, if you look at engineering, you just think about going into engineering. You're like this, I don't, I mean, I can't even imagine. <laughs> so, so I'll give you lots of credit, but you think about that maybe as a first gen student, you go, oh, I can't do that. There's no way you have to see the possibility. So something like the pitch gives you that possibility, doesn't it? Absolutely. So the pitch, and we have several sort of pitch competition and innovation challenges. The pitch in particular challenges our students to come up with a technology-based idea, create, you know, a prototype of that idea, and then pitch it to a panel of entrepreneurs. Shark, so it, shark Tank. Yeah, it is. It is our version of Shark Tank. So Victory! It does give our students, again, exposure and practice to what that field actually looks like. And, and it becomes so, less intimidating. Well, and maybe a little bit of rejection because, you know, there, there's, there's a grit is a really important factor. And yeah. Kathy knows this from all the research she does. <laughs> grit is so important. And student, you know, there's a knock on students today that they don't have grit that students of the past might have had. I don't think that's true. I think there's just more around us. If you think about technology and social media and all the ways that we experience things. But getting some rejection is healthy if it's constructive and allows you to move forward without without doing the you know the old higher ed look left look right and you know only one of you is going to make it but that's not where we need to be we need to be talking about who we include not who we exclude and i know that's an important part of all that you do i'm so glad you brought that up because i think there could be a perspective or a perception that we bring everybody along our programs are quite competitive as I mentioned, even for our scholarship programming, we get 65,000 applications a year. Those scholarships are, you know, those are scored on a rubric and really blindly scored uh, so that the students with the highest score get the scholarships. And even as an employee, my son had to compete in the same way. Um, are you kidding me? <laughs> and so, yes, I think our students do get a healthy sense of rejection. Our Leadership Institute, which is our award-winning professional development conference, we get 2,000 applications for, you know, 500 spots. And there are students who apply year after year. I mean, I started with the organization and our talent acquisition team and would have students who applied two, three times before they were actually offered to go to this program. So it's quite competitive. Creates perseverance, too. 
you can apply all that time and finally get it. I mean, think about how that feels. Yes. Yeah, I think that's something we see in our research, which particularly applies to first-generation students. Grit and independent problem-solving is what got them into college. But then once they get there, that same grit almost works against them in that they don't reach out to the student support services that are available to them on campus. And we have to normalize asking for help uh, for, for this population in particular. And so I guess what I'd love to, to hear from you, Andrea, is let's let's hear a success story about grit and, and how to translate that into success in college and beyond. Um, I'm sure uh, with all the students you support that there's got to be some real great, like, feel good success stories. So, so let's hear one. So it's funny. I just had a meeting with this now graduate a week ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago. But this young man attended Prairie View A&M in Texas. And as I mentioned, I started with the organization and our talent acquisition team. That means that I was the one going to campus selecting students for our various programs. This particular student had applied to our Leadership Institute program. He was a first-generation student. And I learned later, literally had absolutely no support, uh, no family support whatsoever. So he was scheduled for a certain time. He was five minutes late to the interview. Um, true to our brand, you, you can't be late. So he came into the office with all kinds of excuses about traffic and this and this. And I just held up my hand and said, listen, you're not ready for this opportunity. You're not serious about this opportunity. You're late. You're wasting your time and you're wasting my time. And so he asked a few pointed questions. He was like, but, but it's only five minutes. And I was like, this is the way the world works. You know, for TNCF, you should have been 15 minutes early. You're on time, you're late. And when you're early, you're on time, right? Exactly right. And so I shared with him that if he was serious about the opportunity, he should take some time to learn more about TMCF, learn more about himself and come back next year. So believe it or not, he came back the following year. And when I tell you, he knocked my socks off. He He had done the work. And once we had our formal interview, I had an opportunity to talk and learn, talk to him and learn a little bit more about him. And that's when I learned he was first generation. They asked, the school asked if he wanted a major and a minor. And he said, I want two majors. Who would want a minor? I mean, this is how innocent, right? And that's so good about like the inside baseball terms that we have, right? So just just had no idea. After my interview, he talked to some other students who had interviewed and who had participated in our programs and learned more about leadership. He had started to participate in some clubs on campus, got a couple leadership positions. I offered him to go to Leadership Institute that year because he had just, again, really done the work. He attended Leadership Institute, highly engaged, just soaking everything in. And then at the end of Leadership Institute, this figure, I'm standing in the hallway and it comes barreling toward me. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? He bear hugs me. Surprise. Miss Horton, I got an offer. I did it. He got a job offer from Walmart as a regional manager. 
And it was such a full circle moment. I can't tell you, I had to leave his company and I got pretty emotional because what you recognize is that these students, these families are betting everything they have on this education. And that's why TMCF says we're where education pays off because we really help students take that bet. You know, some of these parents, they're getting Parent PLUS loans, they're going into even more debt, and they're sending their kids in order to do something better. They don't quite know what better looks like, but they're betting on it. And so the work that we do really makes sure that those bets pay off. And for this student in particular, it paid off. He's now a proud graduate of P uh, Prairie View. He's a published author. He is just doing extremely well. And that's just one of many stories that I could share with you. That oh, is amazing. Oh, and I bet it was hard for you to say, you're late. You yeah. know, but I, that message must have been so hard to deliver. But look at how it paid off in spades. Oh, that's amazing. Absolutely. And that's and we really take we the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, we take seriously the role we play, because what we don't want to have happen is that the first time he's told that is in his career when the stakes are even higher and he could be fired and lose his you know way to make a living and all those things. So we take this very seriously. That's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> you know, you, you, it's a good point, right? Enabling. It, it's okay. It's only five minutes. You know, don't worry about it. And then you get into the job and you know what? I, I, I will tell you, and you guys know, there's always somebody. There's always somebody that's going, well, it's only, I mean, 10 minutes late. What's the big deal? And I'm going, it's a huge deal. It's responsibility and, and awareness and self-control. You, you can't brush your teeth at the same time and get to work on time. You know, kids aside, sometimes you got kid things that come up. And as a dad, I understand that. But when you can't get there consistently on time, you know, you want to enable people to think that the world's going to just help them work it out all the time. It's, it's not. They're going to leave you cold and hard. And, and you know, it's just the way it is, you know. It's the fundamentals, right? I mean, we've got to make sure that the students are prepared with those fundamentals. That's a good message for all of us at work at colleges and universities to say, discipline really does matter. It matters here in school. It matters in the workforce. And we don't want to not support those, those things in that grit because the work world <laughs> will not, they don't care. Right. No. There's always my, what, what somebody might, you're always replaceable, right? That's my, my, my father-in-law always says that you're just one of many, you know what, just make sure you remember that because there's always somebody else that's ready to step in and, and do your job. And I think that's right with this generation and guilty of it. You know, we're always like, oh, you're wonderful. You're awesome. You know, you're this, you're that. But then when the students and the children get into the, you know, into higher ed, they understand like, they might, they're one of thousands who graduated with a 4.0. They're one of- You can't handle the truth. Right. They're ones of tens of thousands who were valedictorian. So what we stress with our students is now we need you to understand what is your point of difference? What makes you special? What's your elevator pitch? Because it can't be I'm hardworking. I mean, everybody's hardworking. Kathy, do you have any more questions for Andrew before we wrap up? Yeah, um, I'm going to take a pivot and go back to the institutional capacity building. 
right? A lot of the listeners of this podcast who work at institutions. And so where do you see the need being the greatest for the schools that you assist with that capacity building? You know, where are folks short-staffed? Where is talent kind of in need? And, and what can institutions do about it? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. So in this last year, applications at many of our HBCUs were up around 44%. So demand is high. And that's in a declining space, right? Enrollments overall in higher ed are down. That means the demand for HBCU education is up significantly. Some of the places where our institutions need funding is in, you know, they need buildings. We need more uh, dorm rooms. We need uh, higher performing labs. We need, you know, uh, technology. So those are that infrastructure is where our institutions really need the dollars. Many of your listeners may have seen the news lately where there's a lot of talk around the discrepancy in funding between HBCU public institutions and PWI public institutions in the state of Tennessee and the state of Maryland, where we've seen a lot of discrepancy in funding for certain schools you know, being, you know, shortchanged. And that really by and large is HBCUs are not getting the equitable funding. So we we would really love uh, the listeners to support pushing for that, uh, fighting for that. We're not asking for more than what we are owed. We're asking for exactly what states should be delivering to public HBCUs in the way of funding. And in that way, I mean, right now, there are billions of dollars in underfunding that were owed to HBCUs in in certain states. What could we do with that? I mean, imagine what we could do with that in the way of infrastructure, in the way of STEM faculty, in the way of research. And even with the underfunding, we know that HBCUs are already punching above their weight. HBCUs are producing 23% of all African-American graduates, right? But they only represent 3% of all of higher ed. 40% of all STEM degrees are being conferred at HBCUs and 60% of all black engineers are being conferred at HBCUs. So again, if we had equity and funding, we could do so much more. Tell them like it is. (laughs) And uh, maybe last question for me here is, what if I'm an employer or uh, a foundation and, and funder in the space, and I want to get involved with all the programs at TMCF? You know, what would you tell me? <laughs> yeah, so we would love to get more corporations involved. You know, you can reach out to tmcf.org. There's a space there for anyone who wants to get involved, who wants to give, who wants to explore corporate partnership with us. Anyone looking to hire more diverse employees, you know, we can certainly help create a program for that. So much. Andrea, we always finish these episodes out with the same kind of two questions for every guest, but the first one, it's more of an open mic moment. And I want to just ask you, what else do you want to say about TMCF? Anything on your mind, anything coming up, any shout outs you want to give to you, your, your, your team, anything at all, take a couple minutes. So first of all, I do want to give a shout out for our team. I'm so proud of our organization. We purposely stay small in numbers so that 85% of the funding that we raise goes directly to our programs. Again, our not only 
is our work mission focused, but our employees are mission focused. And um, they double down every day to make sure we're putting forth the best work so that we can have the largest impact on our students, our institutions, and the world. Because at the end of the day, we are in pursuit of a more equitable society. I would say for for our programming, a couple of things I wanna shout out. We talked a lot about money. Uh, we are in the next five years seeking to raise a hundred million dollars just for scholarships. That is unique about our scholarships is it's not when we say need, we think anyone who doesn't have free money to go to college has a need. It's not about your income. It's not income-based. So we wanna make sure that we are we are part of the solution of generating black wealth. A lot of uh, families have great incomes, great great paychecks, but they haven't yet been able to build wealth. And um, when you're paying for two or three children to go to college, then your wealth building is delayed even the more. So we want to support students to pursue a higher education without going into student loan debt. We want to support families who still need to invest for their retirement, but want to, of course, send their kids to school. So we are on an ambitious mission to raise $100 million for scholarship funding so that we can have more students at HBCUs not only going to school, but persisting and completing their degrees. Um, amazing. We have great partners. I want to shout out Wells Fargo. They've been with us for more than 20 years. They've supported hiring our students. They've supported um, our programming. But one of the things I do want to call out is our new partnership with Novartis. Novartis is really on an, a mission to address inequities in healthcare. And who better to partner with than TMCF to think through how we how we intentionally fund students who are pursuing uh, healthcare careers or get students to pursue healthcare careers, get them to graduate and then work in those careers where they can make a difference in the quality of care for all people in America. So we are really addressing high scale issues in our society. One, making sure people who are now at the margins of society have a pathway to the American dream through a higher education. And then also on the other side, making sure that we have equity in spaces where we are still seeing a lot of inequities like in tech and healthcare and so on. Thank you for that. And of course, the finishing question here, we ask every guest and you know, uh, give it some thought because you, you intersect with students, employers, uh, institutions. What do you see for the future of higher education? I think with the recent decision of the Supreme Court, right? Uh, no sort of race conscious admissions decisions. I think you're gonna see more students pursuing an HBCU education. Traditionally, students have pursued going to PWIs because typically they have more funding, right? You get better scholarship dollars. Um, at, you know, at many of our institutions, there are only a handful of presidential scholarships or full ride scholarships. So PWIs being, you know, traditionally being, you know, better funded, had an opportunity to really support our students financially. Um, but if students are going to have a more difficult time um, pursuing that pathway, they're, they're going to really increase their demand on HBCUs. Um, what that means is 
all of the things that we see today becomes, you know, a almost crisis level for us, meaning we need more residential halls, we need more professors, we need more labs, we need more buildings in order to really be able to support the increased demand at our institutions. It is amazing if you actually thank you for connecting those dots and you think about the domino effect of, of that Supreme Court decision and how, you know, because most institutions are going, I have too many buildings. There's too much infrastructure, but that may not be the case for HBCUs, as you're saying, who are going to see a, a increase in interest because of that Supreme Court decision. It's it's an interesting dynamic, sub-dynamic of, of what's going on in higher ed. Thank you for bringing that up uh, here on the EdUp Experience. Uh, we, we really appreciate it because I think that's a, I mean, we haven't gotten into that uh, at all, but that is an interesting phenomenon that's going on right now. Yes. Kathy, what do you think about this episode? as your first time guest co-hosting gig? I had fun. It was, it was helpful that our guest is doing such great work. And I've, you know, been aware of the work of the organization TMCF for a long time. And the impact is, is, is great. And I just love that individual story, Andrea, that you shared, right? For all of us that work in education and in particular higher ed, those experiences are the ones that drive us <laughs> to keep doing the work. Cause gosh, there's so much to do. <laughs> And so many reasons to get dissuaded from doing it. And you have to remember the outcomes. That's that's what it's all about. Ladies and gentlemen, one person who keeps telling us of the outcomes through her research is my <laughs> guest co-host today. Her name is Kathy Shaw. She's the director at Titan Partners. Kathy, thank you for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you in person and, and uh, to have you back on a mic. Thanks, Joe. Anytime. And of course, the guest of honor, she's my guest today. No, she is your guest today. Her name is Andrea Horton. She is the Chief Marketing Officer at the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, and it's tmcf.org if you're interested in learning more. Andrea, we hope you had a good time today, at least, as we got to talk about TMCF. I had a great time. Anytime I get to talk about what we do, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> well, we'll take that. We'll take that, and we appreciate your passion and the stories of success that you brought here. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what you have just done. You have just... Add up. Attention. It's time to register for Elucian Live 2024, April 7th through 10th in San Antonio, Texas. Illuminate, innovate, inspire, explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. Register now at elive.elucian.com. This conference is going to be epic. Hey there, higher ed leaders. Are you thinking about joining the EdUp Experience podcast at Insights EDU on February 20th through 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona? 100%. I thought so. This is the go-to event for higher education marketing and enrollment management. At Insights EDU, you'll gain cutting-edge insights from industry experts, including speakers from companies like Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, Salesforce, and more. Become the transformational leader your campus needs by participating in discussions on important topics like online student demands and preferences, increasing affordability and accessibility, branding, measuring marketing performance, and much more. Insights EDU is the conference you need to attend in 2024. Register now at insightsedu.com and use the code EDUP to save $50 off your registration.